Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Hello, Disruptors. Welcome back to our latest episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. My name is Melissa Obradka. I am a United States dental hygienist. And And my name's name's Tabitha, and I'm a dental hygienist from Australia, if you can't tell from my accent. (laughs) Love your accent. I wonder what the Australian hygienists think of my accent. I wonder if they're like, oh, she's from Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> I actually don't hear the Jersey when I when you speak. Um, like you don't sound like Jersey Shore. That's our um, <laughs> thank God for that. <laughs> I was with my brother the other day, and he told me that I sounded. I said something. I think I said coffee, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, that was so Jersey when that came out of your mouth." <laughs> coffee. I must have said coffee. <laughs> no, you don't sound like that. I think the accent that I hear the most when I when I hear Americans is a Boston accent. Yeah. That's the one that you're like, whoa, that's strong. Like and um Siobhan, when she gets really like empowered and like passionate about something, you hear her Boston accent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry, love Siobhan. that. Yeah. So those of you who don't know who we're talking about, um our great friend and colleague Siobhan Healy. She's a dental hygienist um, in Washington, D.C., and uh, she's one of our implant care practitioner team's uh, teammates. She's actually the one who really um, pulled us all together and formulated the the course. And um, she's originally from Boston. She's a kick-ass clinician, and she's doing some amazing stuff right now. We actually have to get her on the show and just talk about, like, she's really digging into, um, you know, the integrated healthcare system and where we fit in that. And she's raising a lot of awareness into the medical field on how important dental hygienists are and how we are the first responder in so many different things beyond dentistry. So, um, yeah, we're definitely going to have to coordinate with her and uh, get her on the show. No, she's definitely a thought leader and leader and disruptor in our industry. So we definitely have to have her on. But this week we're actually going to talk about new grads. Yeah, it is um, that time of year where graduates in the U.S. Um, have just completed their programs and Tabitha's crew, they're they are right on the brink of it, right? They've got a couple months to go. Yeah, they'll, um, we're about to have our winter break and then they'll come back and they'll graduate towards the end of the year. But very exciting. For I've been seeing lots of Instagram pictures of um, graduation hats and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, it's so exciting for them. Like, yeah. Oh, you know what? Let's do a little Instagram shout-out. Somebody, um, we might have to chat while I look for it, but somebody put a really cute one up on Instagram. I want to give them credit for it, but they had um, my like something like my hygiene uh, school career was sponsored by, and they had like Red Bull and all different <laughs> things that <laughs> sustain their life on while yeah. doing their education it was really cute I feel bad that I'm not able to give the shout out to who that was as I'm looking at it but um if you happen to be listening to this episode and it was you send one of us a dm so we can give you uh creds for it because it was really cute really clever and I loved it no we are really excited for all the new grads you are really a historical year you know your final year in the middle of a pandemic you had to pivot, adjust to so many things. And so really um, you had one of the hardest graduating years that we know of so far. So well done. Well done. done. Round of applause for you all. And, you know, you've definitely hit some obstacles in your last year. Melissa and I are both involved in teaching at university level and and privately, and it was a tough year last year. If you're a teacher or a student, it was really, really difficult. So hats off to all the teachers, especially the ones having to coordinate the courses and make all the changes and try and figure it all out. Huge problem. I'm just a minion in that 
field. So I just do what I'm told is easier for me. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to, I don't have to like dig into all of that, but I was, I did my best to try to help and support not only the college, but also the students, because it's like when I, I feel like when you're in the position that you and I hold within university, we, we can kind of, you know, play both sides of that in a sense, because like we understand the limitations, but we also understand the education that has to happen in order to put out comprehensive clinicians. Like often what we say to our students too, is when we, when we get you to competency to graduate, it's just the bare minimum to safely care for another human being. It's just the beginning. So um, we just want you to say safe care of another human. Um, So yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot in a short period of time. I really, really feel like I know that many people have been talking about making our program more than just an associate's degree program. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I really do think it needs to take the next step to be more of a, a bachelor, like a minimum of a bachelor degree requirement yeah, we do in Australia. Yeah. See, I think as much as I, I, I like the, you know, I work for a two year program. I'm in an associate degree program, but I just feel like we're, we're jamming so much in, in these students' brains in such a short period of time that it's, and we're, we're not even scratching the surface of the bigger picture. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wish that we could start working towards in conjunction with maybe, you know, having our associate degree program, but having some kind of like um, affiliate kind of program with a four-year institution that they can continue and, yeah. and really continue that learning. Because I definitely think that we there's so much to learn. One of the areas that I think that you don't get talked to about at all, and I was really lucky that I worked with some practices that were really big on this, was just even communication. For like sure. Communicate effectively. Like we get told what to say and what information has to be passed on, but, you know, motivational interviewing can go into so much more depth and the way we communicate and the way we um, phrase questions and just things like that. Like they're all things that you kind of stumble around when you first graduate. And that's really some advice to any new grads that are listening is if you can get to a course on communication and understanding, you know, we've got another friend, Miranda, who teaches like DISC and understanding different personalities. And I learned that quite early in my career. And I actually found that very, very helpful. It's how to quickly read someone and know that I need to change my communication style for that person, and that's something that you have to do as a um, as a clinician. I explain it to one of my friends who's not a clinician, and they were asking me some questions about something, and I said, "You, it's like you're an actor when you're a clinician." Yeah, and I'm not always me when I go in that room. I have to change my personality sometimes, like. And not be chatty me because naturally I'm super chatty and some patients don't like that. So I have to turn that off. Right. And then some patients want a certain, you know, that you they want you to be more social than clinical. So I have to make sure that you're giving them that because that's what calms them. That's what makes them feel okay. And they actually don't want the details. They just want to feel okay. <laughs> like, yes, and- I have had patients say to me as I'm starting to treat them, so tell me about your kids. Tell me all that's going on. Just keep talking to me while you're working. Like, And that's like a coping mechanism for them. So I agree with you 100%. It's really you know, we, we do, we have to kind of alter ourselves to make sure that we're meeting our patient where they are and yeah. making that experience about them. You know, I, I hear, I hear, and I see a lot of those comments in some of the Facebook groups and, and, and yes, there's people that are, are more challenging to deal with than others, but I mean, it's our obligation. It's what yeah. we, we took an oath to do. So um, it's, but it's a skill set to learn how to not let somebody else's um, personality or issue or what have you affect your own. And it's taken me a very long time to get to a place where I can now do that. Oh, and I still have bad days with that. So, you know, like still a work in yeah. progress. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are still days. I, I mean, I had a patient a couple of weeks ago and she, she was just coming at me with all these different things. And I was starting to feel like, just like my shoulders were scrunching up. I could feel the stress, like just like almost like a thermometer coming up my body. (laughs) And I had to just take a deep breath. And I was like, don't, nope, nope. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. You're not going to get stressed. You're just going to meet this person where they are. And I had to like talk myself off the ledge a little bit. And we ended up having such a great appointment. And she was like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. So it's usually the ones that present themselves as kind of like a pain in the, you know what, that end up being most transformational 
and they love you. So it's an opportunity, not an aggravation. And I think um, as you, obviously, as you get more mature, you learn to deal with it more. But just as you see more patients, as you experience more different people, you will learn different skill sets. And I actually was teaching today at uni and one of the students got very flustered by a patient that was rude to them. And I said, you know what I say in private practice when someone's being annoying? In my head, I go, they're paying me money. It's fine. <laughs> I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid for this. It's okay. Like I said, you know, sometimes it just comes down to that. That patient's so awful. I just say to myself, "I'm being paid. This is a job. They're not my friend. It is okay." <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's that's excellent. I mean, I, I often, I often say, if if the thoughts in my head were verbalized, I would probably have been thrown in an institution yeah. years ago. <laughs> 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 that's definitely some advice that I would give I actually when I worked at McDonald's after school as a teenager and they used to have a sign when you'd be coming from the kitchen out to the the counters and it was above the doorway and it said smile you're about to go on stage oh I like that and I remember that I remember reading that as a kid I remember the manager saying to me as like a 14 year old when I started my job flipping burgers at McDonald's it doesn't matter what happened today. It doesn't matter what's going on. Put a smile on when you come to work. Customers don't want to know about that. Treat them, you know, like you're going on stage, play the part if you have to. Yeah. You have to go four hours of your shift. And I've actually taken that piece of advice into my whole career. And, you know, even when you have that day where the kids wouldn't get ready and by the time you get to work you've screamed at everyone and everything went wrong, when I walk into work, it's like I'm going on stage. Yeah, yeah, I love and, that. And, you know, and some days it is a performance. You're not feeling happy. Right. Give a good performance. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, as just, just as much as patients don't know what you're dealing with yeah. outside of your role as their hygienist, we also don't know what they're dealing with outside of yeah. their role as our patient that day. And um, I always like to give people an opportunity like you know you, you just don't know we don't know unless they verbalize to you you have no idea and most of the time when people are rude or just a little bit harder to deal with it's coming from a place of hurt or yeah. fear so yeah. you know I think just recognizing that and, and letting them know like I, I like to say to my patients all the time especially my new ones you're in control here you know, I'm working with you this is your body so I don't know if you're feeling uncomfortable but I want to give you the opportunity. I'm not going to be insulted. If something's not right or you don't feel comfortable, all you have to do is raise your hand. I will stop immediately and we'll readjust. So We're I such- think what was that? We're such twins. <laughs> I'm really you're the boss. You're in control. I'm working for you when they're really nervous. So if you yeah. want to stop, you raise your hand or stop straight away. So it's exactly the same thing as you say. And I always just say to them, remember you're the boss today. Yeah. So it's like yeah. giving them that element of control, giving them permission to be in control and not feel like they have to sit here. I like say, don't go into bog and sledder mode in that chair. Like I want you to relax and, and actually enjoy this because I have some amazing technology that makes this experience wonderful. So it's, it's just, you know, having those, those seconds that, that couple seconds of front loading your education and communicating makes the whole appointment run smoother. Yeah, and going back to that acting, on your first day of your job, you probably are not going to feel that great. <laughs> no, you're going to be nervous as hell and that is normal. And I actually say to people when they're nervous, it's the sign of a good clinician. Yeah. Like it's the sign that you care. It's the sign that you know you don't know everything. None of us do. I'm still nervous. I still get nervous when I'm going to walk on stage and present. I still get nervous when I'm going to do certain things. Like it's fine because I'm like, because I'm like, I want this to go perfect. I want this, and it's a sign that you're a good clinician when you work walk in nervous on your very first day because not one of the new graduates around the world is perfect on their first day. Absolutely not. So don't think that you will be. It's okay, and just but at least walk in there confident. Don't tell the patient I'm really nervous. <laughs> this is my yeah. first day right. in front of them. You're going to have to act a little and be confident so that they feel comfortable around you. Absolutely. And you know what? Like fake it till you make it because they, I like to tell my students too, especially when they're having a, like maybe a challenging time with a patient, no matter what, unless they're a fellow dental professional, you still 
in your infancy in this know more than they do about dentistry and dental hygiene and dental health. Know that and run with it, you know, like, and if there's something, if there's a question that they ask you that you don't have an answer for, just say, you know what, that's a great question. Thank you so much. May I have your email address? I'm going to do some research and I will email you the answer. Yeah. And when you do that, they love it. They love that you get back to them and they love your openness and honesty. I can't, I do, I still to this day do that if something comes up that I don't know about. Because like Tabitha said, I don't know everything. Yeah. You're never going to know everything. And that actually links in. I actually put a post on um, Facebook on the weekend and just said to experienced clinicians, what advice would you give new grads? And Alicia Parker from Queensland in Australia said, ask questions always ask questions no one expects you to know everything we're all continuing to go and learn each and every day you have to be open to it and that can be really scary asking questions it can that's great advice though yeah but like I think um one thing that new grads are probably thinking is I don't want to ask my boss a question because I don't want him to know I don't know it a hundred percent no I don't know it one they don't expect you to know everything. So it's okay. You can ask them. They know if, what they're getting into hiring you. Yeah, they understand exactly. that. They understand that. They understand you're a new grad because they've been a new grad themselves. So that's okay. They don't expect you to know everything. But if maybe you don't feel that comfortable asking the owner or the, the senior clinician at your work, then find someone else more senior to you that can be your mentor that you can easily contact. Yeah. But you need to have someone. Like. You need to- like if you had a professor you connected with while you were at uni, yeah. reach out to them, you know, reach out to them. I, I've had, I still have former students reach out to me and ask me questions. I love it. I want to yeah. be there to support them and help them. I want to see you guys grow and flourish. You're the future of this profession and we need a lot of change. And you guys are going to carry that torch and help that stuff happen. So Ask us questions, you know, even if it's not a professor, like another hygienist that you really look up to, even if you went and you saw a speaker or a presenter somewhere and and you really connected with their messaging and you really just sat there and like, oh my gosh, that person is so amazing. I mean, I've sat in courses and thought that and like had a little girl crush on these presenters. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so cool. Um, You know, go, uh, go talk to them. They're human just like you. And they started out just where you did. So, yeah, they've all been new grads. That's the one yeah. thing we all have in common. We've all been new grads. So Jude Allsop from Australia, she said, know your worth and learn as much as you can from mentors, colleagues. Graduation is just the beginning. So I think that really links into what you said then. Yeah, it's for sure. It's it's just that your academic career is ending, but your yeah. clinical career is beginning and it's a whole new journey. And just know that your learning will never, ever end. To do this the way it deserves to be done, your learning will never end. It's and an infinity symbol. It just keeps going and growing and moving. Yeah, infinity. I like that. Yeah. And and you're, to kind of transition with the learning and the growth, your first practice, it's very rare that the first practice you work in will be your forever practice. Because... <laughs> Could you imagine? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to grow and change so much. And, and you know, like my mom always said, there's a reason, there's a season and a lifetime for, for people in your life. Thank you for that amazing advice, mama, because it's true. Like, you know, there's a reason you start where you start. And there's a reason you meet certain people. And, and it could just be that season. And yeah. when you get everything you're supposed to get from that practice and, and the people you're with and that experience, if it starts to feel like not right, or you're like having that pit in your stomach because, oh my gosh, I got to go back there again, then maybe it's time to really like sit down and reevaluate, get a pen and a pad and some paper and pen, pad and paper, hello, and and just write down the pros and the cons, like really like dig into it. And what is it? Is it just time to move on? And that's okay. It is like, there's, there's just times to move on. I mean, I, I was with the practice for almost a decade and I thought I'd never leave and I'm not there anymore. So like things happen, things shift and change and like your, your career is going to be dynamic and you just have to be able to kind of understand and, and, and know that it's, it, you don't want to be static. Yeah. Right. 
you know, that means that you've become stagnant and that's not good for you, your patients or our profession. So I have a saying that I always say to my students and and to my kids as well. There's no such thing as standing still. You're either moving forward or backwards. There's no other option. So pick which way you're going to go. Yeah, You can adapt change. You can adapt and like change and keep learning and you move forward. Or you can say, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do new things. I'm not going to be adaptable. That doesn't keep you in that spot. It actually puts you backwards. Yeah. So there's no between. You move forward, you embrace it, you keep learning, or you go backwards. And you have to make that decision. And you have to decide, do I want to keep growing and keep learning and moving forward? Or do I want to go backwards? And it's really harsh but like but yeah. I you I think change is actually a really positive thing and I I understand for some people it's very difficult to grasp I'm someone that loves change when I don't have change in my life I'm like oh god what's happening like this is horrible but mm. if you're someone that doesn't like change you have to learn how to adapt with certain change because you have to have a degree of that as a healthcare professional absolutely and and set goals for yourself you know yeah. and start small like in the beginning there's you you had three hours to treat a patient. Now you're going to private practice and you have one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big difference. Yeah. It's so the first day is so overwhelming. <laughs> you're like, wait, hold, hold up. I got to see all these people in this much time and do my own instruments and disinfect my operatory and write my notes. Ooh, you know, it's okay. Um, my little trick of the trade, I do my clinical notes at the end of the day. I don't know about you, Tab, but I don't, I just don't have the time. I'm spending as much time hands-on with my patient while they're in front of me. So I print out my schedule. I leave it on the corner in my op and I jot down their blood pressure. I jot down any medical changes there. I jot down notes from our appointment on that printed version of my schedule. And then at my, like when it's lunchtime, I write my notes from the morning at the end of the day, I write my notes from the second half of the day. I don't, I mean, if there's an opportunity in my schedule that I can get it done, I will get it done right then and there. But nine times out of 10, there's not. So that's a good little tip on the side to, you know, take that level of pressure off yourself. I know in school, when you're done with patients, write your clinical notes, your professor has to check them, and then you move on. But that's not always how things roll in the real world. I take a photo of every patient, so I'm really lucky. When I sit down, sit down at the end of the day, I have my printed day sheet with all my handwritten notes all over it as well, so no, I, I've got lots of details. But then I also pull up photos, and I can actually go, oh, God, I really remember this patient now because I'm looking right in their mouth, and I'm looking at my notes, and now I can formulate it all nicely. But I, yeah. and, and the other thing I have is um, we call it like quick notes, so like I have a template. Yes. So like yes. I have a template of headings. So mine will say like medical history dash and then I can put that in, you know, social history dash, chief complaint, reason for attendance, you know, and I've got like a list, you know, and then I'll have like for me, I've got super gingival calculus, subgingival calculus, new biofilm, mature biofilm, acidic biofilm, and then I can just write exactly where everything is next to that so that it's like, and I know there's different requirements for, for different countries, so it has to be what's required in your country but for me and you know and I'll have perio exam soft tissue exam so then it prompts me and I'm not going to forget to put details in because I've got my heading there and it comes up with all of my notes and I go okay I need to fill this this and otherwise if you don't have something to prompt you you can kind of forget you can forget absolutely and it's not that you didn't do it or that you don't know it you just forget to put it in there exactly and and I have the same thing set up I'm currently using uh, Dentrix and, and you can add check boxes into that. Yeah. So like if you have a heading with like soft tissue examination, then you can put all the different things you'll see and you just have to click, click, click what applies to that patient. And so, yeah, templates are the way to go. Uh, if you're working with a practice who is still in paper and using traditional radiographs, Tabitha, what would you say? Um, I would say, really talk to them about upgrading (laughs) for many many years many years yes there's there's that's not the kind of practice you want to be in you that's the one where you know tabitha's correct you're going backwards you're that going forwards so that uh is something that you definitely want to consider um 
even even in the interviewing process. You know, you want to, it's okay to look and ask to look where you'd be working. Do you use uh, digital radiographs? Um, you know, different questions like, are you doing implant dentistry here? Are you doing the surgery or just the restorative or all the above? Like, these are different questions that you want to ask because then for you as a clinician, you're going to be asked to maintain those cases and you're going to need not only an extra level of knowledge because it's not yet in our curriculums is powerful enough to really prepare you for that, that patient population. Um, but there's also technology that, that you need to be aware of that will safely help you maintain these cases. And so those are, those are definitely questions you, you, you want to be interviewing the office as much as the office is interviewing you, if not even more. Yeah. That's what we said in our very first episode, if people listen to that one, we actually talked about that a little bit. And yeah. it isn't just an interview for you, it's an interview for them. So like tips that I would give for interviewing is if they've got a website, check it out. For sure. Learn about them, read about their profiles, Google the dentist. They're going to Google you, have a Google of them, see what you found out, you know, see if you can find out if, if they are a speaker or if they're working in education or what their interests are or what the focus of the practice is. Is it a family practice? Is it a cosmetic practice? Is it an implant practice? Like what is their focus? So you know, one, are you interested in their focus? Is it something you like? Is it something you feel comfortable with? Or, you know, is it something you think you might need some extra knowledge in? So that you, and but then ask the questions with, one, what kind of, you know, what do they see from you? What do they expect from you? Yes. What are the expectations of the role? That is really important because you could have one set of expectations and the, the employer have another set of expectations and they don't align. And that can be really bad once you started working there. <laughs> yeah. And then and, you'll have those like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Yeah. <laughs> They're getting upset with you because you're not meeting their expectations, but you didn't even know them. So what are the expectations of the role? Is there a written job description? I think yeah. that's really important. A written job description that you can then have to look back on and say, well, you've got this expectation, but you didn't put it in the job description. And you know what? To that point, let me tell you, people, I've been doing this for 22 years and the office I'm currently at is the first one who has presented me with a written job description and an actual employee manual. Yeah. So it's not commonplace, at least here in my area of the United States. You can ask for it, though. So like you can Absolutely. say can you what, you, what you expect this role to be. Um, for, I would want to know um, a lot of practices have KPIs. So yeah. they're setting like a production goal or a KPI for you. What is it? Let me know that in the interview. What What is the – and that comes under expectations again. But what are you expecting me to produce? And what KPI is key performance indication or indicators. Yeah. yeah. So what are the key performance indicators? And, you know, talking money sucks, but you have to ask. Yeah. What basis you are you paid under? Like, you know, in Australia, like you can be casual or permanent or part-time. I know it's different in America. But you've got different settings for it. But what, what, what are you going to be provided? And is there a review process? I ask this all the time. What is the review process? When yeah. will I be given a review? Yeah. And if they're starting you on a wage that maybe you're not 100% happy with, have it written down when that will be reviewed for increase. Yes. Not a, a verbal of, oh, yeah, we'll look at that in three months or six months. Have it written down. Absolutely. And then that, that you can present them with your own contract. Yeah. Because what happens is there's, <clears throat> in my area of the U.S., we are on a massive hygienist shortage. I get messages from dentists, like on the regular, ones that don't even personally know, asking me if, you know, I, if there's a hygienist that's available. I've gotten text messages from my um, resume being posted months ago that I took down asking if I'm still available. So there is a massive shortage. So you are in need right now. So what that means is that have a contract because you don't have to work in an environment that you're not happy with. And there's yeah. certain things in the way that it's set up for us here in my area of the country where we cannot work independently. So there's certain things that you should not have to have a financial burden of in order to do your job. So like the dentist has to provide you with quality equipment to do your job. 
Don't you dare endure muscular skeletal issues that can alter your life outside of the practice because you weren't presented with the appropriate technology to do your job in a comprehensive way. So instruments, you should have an instrument budget. That's something you should write into your contract. Um, You know, the the, appropriate, have a negotiation about how much time you have for a patient, make sure that that doesn't change. If you've agreed on 60 minutes, then have that written in your contract. Have it written in your contract that when you see a periodontal case, how much time you need. Because in my opinion, two quadrants, one hour, inadequate. That's You're not providing the patient with the proper amount of care. For, For me, I like to have an hour and a half. That's how I like to do it. Everybody's different. But you should have control over that is basically what I'm saying to you. Have the ability to have control of your schedule when it comes to your your perio. And if you've agreed on 60 minutes, that stays. That doesn't change. Um, Even go down to, you know, perio, pedo, and healthy patients. How much time are these going to be? And because they will try to, you know, squeeze in there. You're new, so I'll give you an hour. And then all of a sudden, three months later, they're, they're booking you 45 minutes. That's not okay. That's not your agreement. So have it in writing, writing so that if something is to come up, you can sit down and say, hey, listen, this is what we agreed upon. Why, why is this changing? That you're breaking our agreement. Yeah, I think that's, that, that all comes down to expectations again. But that appointment time is a really good point because you don't want to like start on the first day and find out, oh, my God, I have a 30-minute schedule. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and these things happen. So ask questions and lots of them. Um, going back to the instruments, I really the best advice I can give you is to actually ask if you can have a working interview. And I don't yeah. mean you have a full day for free. I definitely don't agree with no that. Way. No way. What I'm saying is can you come in and see a patient and they can see you. But that's actually the best way to really find out what the instruments are like and what stuff's like because if you just look in drawers, it's very different to actually looking for something specifically. Yes. And using it because when you're looking in drawers, you may not notice that there's actually no hand scalers in there because you might think they're somewhere else. But I did a working interview actually a couple of years ago. So there was a practice that um, they were advertising and I actually suggested to them, give me your worst patient, your most nervous patient, and then you can see how I go. Because I actually yeah. quite like nervous patients. I do too. I as, a, um, as a real challenge, like I'm going to convert them. I'm going to make them love dentistry and me. <laughs> this is again why we're twins. They're like my favorite. I was like, give me a nervous patient because I'm at that point in my career where I feel comfortable with them now. As a new grad, I probably wouldn't have asked that question, but we don't throw that as a new grad, but I, can, I, I felt comfortable doing that. Anyway, so I went to set up for the patient. So I'm opening drawers and I can't find the hand instruments. But that doesn't mean anything to me because, you know, every practice sets up differently and some practices don't keep all their instruments in the room. They might keep them in a central sterilisation room, which I've seen in some. So I didn't think anything majorly of it, but I went out and, and found the dentist and said, um, I can't find the hand instruments. And, like, I knew I had a perio case. I was being given a perio case and that, so they'd given me a nervous perio case. And I said, yep, I just... I'm trying to find the hand instruments. I've got the ultrasonic scaler. You know, I was looking at the tips and they were pretty crappy, but I was like, okay, um, all right, what hand scalers do they have? And she said they're in the drawer. And she was kind of a little bit like, can you not see? And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm really sorry. I looked and I couldn't see. She's like, so she walked in, she goes, and she opens, she goes, right there. There was one unbagged sickle. Ew. And it was gold. Ew. <laughs> unbagged sickle. And I was like, oh, my face right now. No, um, I meant the he- like, or like debridement for subgingival debridement. And she goes, oh, no, that's it. And I go, that's it. And she's like, yeah. And I said, um, like, what? And so then I've got this patient here that I have to see and I've got like no instruments and I'm freaking out. So at the end of the interview, she says to me, you've got the job. And I said, don't want the job. Thanks. I'm out. And she was like, what is the problem? And I said, there's no hand instruments. The room is a nightmare. The equipment is terrible. I can't actually do my job in there. And she said to me, this is where I was like, I know I never want to work here. She said, well, I've never had a good hygienist, so they haven't earned the right to good instruments. Mm. 
And I, I actually just said to her, you've never, you've had a good hygienist. You've never given her anything to be good. Yeah. And I just went, thank you, but no thank you, and walked out. Now, if I hadn't have, like treated one patient because their practice was actually one of the most beautiful practices I've ever seen in my life. Wow. So you wouldn't expect that. Smokes and mirrors, people, smokes and mirrors. Like, it was aesthetically beautiful. They had spent millions of dollars on the architecture and the layout. And in her room, she had every bell and whistle that could exist. But the hygiene room was the leftover junk and that was it. And if you don't like, but if I hadn't have gone into that hygiene room and properly went to sit down and treat a patient, I would have been fooled by the aesthetics of the practice. Yeah. I would have been like, this practice is amazing. It's so beautiful. There's floor to um, ceiling windows in here with a beautiful outlook. And you just would have been like, oh, how lucky would I be to come and work here? I would have been going to hell. (laughs) But all you got is one sickle, girl. Yeah. (laughs) No miracles with a sickle scaler. This is funny because I put a post up on Instagram a a while ago. It said five, uh, five ways to irritate your dental hygienist. And number one was get yourself some updated tech and equipment and then gift your hygienist with the old shit. Yeah. (laughs) Your patients deserve the best, but not when they're in the hygiene chair. Yeah. So I think asking about equipment and having an actual physical look, because the waiting room may be beautiful. Asking them if they have policies and procedures for infection control. Yes. Or here in the States, we have to do that annually. The whole office has to do infection control and OSHA training annually. So ask, when is your annual office infection control and OSHA training yeah and if they if they look like at you like a deer in headlights that means they don't do that so that's also a protocol issue and then ask this is a question that I ask this is my favorite question interview how long's your longest employee been here for Mm -hmm. when the longest is six months red flag run No, not all the time, but it's a red flag and it's something that I, and then if they say something like that, then I'll ask, how come you don't have any longer employees? Yep. That's a great question. Yeah. It's also, you know, you could say, what is your, um, what is your goal for the hygiene department? What do you, what would you like? What, what is your, what do you envision for this hygiene department with, without a single barrier? What would you like to see this hygiene department look like? Yeah. And, and that's going to help not only kind of guide you in what they're going to expect out of you, but it's also going to help you see if, if what they're saying is meeting the reality of what they have for you to work with. Yeah. Because they might have this very unrealistic expectation that's up here, but they don't want to provide you with what you need to reach that. Yeah. So that's something like one, uh, one of the offices I worked in, I asked, one of the first questions I asked is, do you have an intro camera? And they said, no. And, and they said, do you really think it's important to have one? I said, well, the mind can't know what the eye can't see. And they ordered one. So when they, if there's no's to things, it doesn't mean that you just like say, thank you for your time and leave. If they're willing to invest in these things, like you might, even as a new grad, you might come into this practice and be teaching them a lot of stuff. So it's, and that's okay. If they're going to, if they're willing to provide you with these things and kind of alter the way things are done, you don't know what hygiene was like before you got there. But, and, and that also doesn't mean that that's how you have to do it. You could put your own stamp on this. You could bring it to the next level. You just have to be able to have that working relationship where they're going to provide you with the things you need to achieve those goals. And then a couple of tips for to get you in the door for new grads is have a good resume. Get someone to help you with it. So Melissa and I both use Doug Perry. Yeah. Shout out to Doug. Um, he does Doug. very good resumes. His wife is a dental hygienist, I believe. I, and he, and he kind of specializes in dental resumes. So it's worth the money. And I paid 
that little bit extra to actually have mine as a Word document that I could continue to adjust and change and not get sent to me as a PDF. So when I've changed a job since him being making it or I got a new qualification, I could just, like I recently got a, uh, I finished another degree and so I just added it in myself. I didn't have to ask him to do that for me. So I did that. But a good resume is really important. As someone that's been a practice manager or helps in the hiring process, if you use an email that says sexybunny3 at gmail, I do not even read your your resume. I, honestly, I cannot believe people still do it and they do. Get a professional email. Like my email is tabithaacker at gmail, my name at gmail for two reasons. One, it's not stupid, but two, if they want to go back and find me, it's very easy. They type in my name and my email comes up. Absolutely. <laughs> it's easy I'm to find. I'm at gmail.com. sometimes they're getting a hundred applications you are easy to find you stand out and when you get a lot of applications you do go delete the sexy bunny delete this delete that the other thing is is don't be afraid to apply for a job that says experience only yeah so my very first job as a new grad I saw a job that I wanted it said experience only and I wrote and a, co- a really good cover letter and I um, sent in my resume and I said in the cover letter, I know you are seeking experience and I am not experienced, but this is what I can bring to the practice. I've actually been a dental nurse for years. I understand how um, a practice works. I, you know, I don't think I'm the normal new grad, this, this, and this. They gave me an interview. Not only did they give me the job, but I didn't graduate for two more months. So they hired a temp for two months. Wow. Look at that. And- I started. So anything is possible. Don't like rule out. So like I think, you know, think like you're a white man. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, men all the time, all men will put themselves forward even if they think that they're qualified for it or not. Women need to get this skill a little bit more. We always totally. doubt ourselves and, and think, oh, maybe I'm not. No, just do it. Just Put that application in and the worst that can happen is you don't get the job. Right. Maybe you at least get an interview and you get to practice interview skills. Exactly. I was just going to say that. You always grow. Like whenever you have an experience, you have an ability to learn. And when you have an ability to learn, you have an ability to grow and adjust. Again, nobody knows all the answers. There's times that, you know, I get off of a call or, you know, have a patient today or I'm like, "Mm, you know what, let me self-reflect a little. I could have done this a little bit better. And I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up about it because it's gone, but I can learn from it and adjust and do better next time. And that's growth. And that's important because the doubt, you don't grow when you sit in this place of self-doubt or anxiety or I'm not good enough something that I try to teach my students too, because I hear them like, you know, they're, they're probing a patient. They're like, I'm sorry. It's taking so long. I'm sorry. It's this. I'm sorry. Stop saying you're sorry. It's not your fault. If you're waiting on me to come check you, that's not your fault that the patient has to wait. It's mine. It's, it's just the process. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for bringing that up to me. You know, don't say you're sorry. Just thank them. When I'm running behind schedule, I go out to my patient, I call their name. Thank you so much for your patience with me today. We're running a little behind. I need to take that on. I say sorry. That's a good point, Melissa. I'm going to change that tomorrow. (laughs) You know, because it's like, it's not my fault I ran behind. The patient before you needed X, Y, and Z, and it took this much time. And I still am going to thoroughly sterilize my room before you come in it. So that took this much time. I'm not compromising. And I shouldn't have to take that on. I'm trying to teach my daughter to do that now too. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's no. not your fault, right? And that's something that that grates on you as a hygienist every day. That clock is always on your back. This is always on your back. I still have to do this. I didn't do this yet. So there's a lot and, and there's no need that you need, you, you don't have to apologize for it. You're doing your job and you're doing it well. So thank you for your patience. Yeah. And then when you're going for your interviews, think about what they're going to ask you and think about your answers in advance. So questions you're going to get asked, why do you want to work here? You yep. always get asked that. Why do you want to work here? What What do you want about this job? So have like practice at home, practice with your friend or just practice by yourself and just think, why do I want to work there? So you you can quickly kind of like get that answer out. What can you bring to the practice? Yep. That question is 
Like I can guarantee you you'll get asked it. What can you bring to this practice or why should I hire you? Don't say, I don't know. Say, like think about positives about you. Think about things that you can bring to the practice. So maybe you connect with patients really well and you found that, you know, as a student I found I really connected or I'm a really adaptable person. I'm a team player. Like there's lots of things, even as a new grad with little experience, you can take things away. Maybe you worked at McDonald's after school and you can say, you know, I've learned really good skills from my other jobs about the importance of being on time, of doing this. You know, there's something, you have positive skills. And then another trickier question that gets thrown out, if you were to say one of a quality about you that's maybe not as positive, like one of your flaws, what would it be? Now, what that's would your answer be? So for me, I say that I'm really hard on myself. Yes. So if things don't go right, I take it very per like you know, I'm you'll never be as hard on me as I will be on me. And it's yeah. still true. I'm very hard on myself. So that, you know, I can say that or I can be really caught up on this having to be perfect. So, you know, they're not terrible. You know, maybe don't tell them, oh, I'm late everywhere. That's not a good poll. <laughs> You know, I like think squashed on the weekends. That's yeah. not a good answer either. I have a hang on Mondays. They're not the things they want to hear. <laughs> no. And speaking of that, just to bring this point, they and Tabitha mentioned it earlier, they will Google you. So make yeah. sure your social media is in check. If you want to have an account where you're like playing beer pong and drinking, make it not with your name. Yeah. Have a professional account, have a personal party account. Do not make yourself identifiable with, you know, your party account. What you have to be careful of, though, is, is I don't just Google the person's name. I Google their phone number and see what Facebook account attaches to it. Mm, she's really uh, digging in. We didn't hire someone once, a dentist actually, that came for um, a job interview with us and I did some, like, my boss goes, go on, do your little uh, secret surface Googling that you like to do. <laughs> I went in and did it and um and I went to their Facebook page because it didn't have their name it was spelt wrong but it was attached to their phone number and all the photos were them and every second post was sexist Mm. thrown in with a little side of racism and I went today you won't be working here (laughs) and that person will never know that that's why we didn't hire them Right, right. So make sure, you know, be smart with your social media and just, you know, I'm not saying you have to censor yourself and not live your life and and do you like you're entitled to do you and and enjoy your weekends and however you choose to live your life. But just be mindful that people are going to look at that stuff as a candidate for an employment in their practice. So be aware, be smart. And know that, you know, when you post something on social media it and you go back and delete it, it doesn't mean it's gone. People will screenshot, people will hang on to that stuff and things can be reposted and just be really aware of that. Yeah. And patients actually Google you sometimes. So I was treating a patient recently, a new patient, and they said something to me and I thought in my head, that's a bit weird that they know that and I I thought I didn't remember mentioning that and then I actually just said to them how how do you know that like and he goes I googled you before I came to my appointment so yeah I wanted to know who the clinicians were that I was seeing I wanted to know um you know what the he actually just said I just wanted to know what the education base and the experience was as the clinicians that I was seeing and so obviously with me he'd seen I've got lots of stuff that comes up with Google like you do with events that we've been at and stuff like that. And he goes, oh, I was really impressed by the Google that I found. But likewise, if I had been someone that wasn't, I'm actually very, I fiercely control what goes on on social media for me and I'm very careful with uh, I don't want certain things on there. Uh, It could have been maybe that he didn't want to come see me if what he Googled was a hope of inappropriate Facebook pictures because you haven't locked down your Facebook and it's all over social media. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So again, we're not saying don't live your life. You do you, but just be mindful of what you put out in the world for them to see. Don't think I don't have a drink on the weekend. (laughs) 
Yeah. I just don't let people post it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't think we're not fun. We do things. I just don't let it go on the social media. That's the difference. We're the funnest old ladies in dentistry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sorry. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm middle-aged. So, <laughs> don't even like that term. Um, actually, another one of our um, guests gave um, some advice that we could give today. So Kathy, who if you listen to the Silver Fluoride episode, um, yes. who's a wealth of knowledge, her advice was your new license to practice is just the start of your education. Expect it to take five years till you really get it together. And in that time, have a learning mindset and seek out opportunities to perfect your craft it can be a wonderful life. It can be. And that's yeah. the thing that's, that's very, you know, that's part of the reason why we started this podcast is because there's so much discouraging information out there. There's so many beaten and battered hygienists that are complaining about our profession and saying, get out, don't do it. Um, mm. You know, this, that, and the other thing. And it's, this is what you make of it. Just like anything in life. If you allow this to become a place where you feel like a beaten and battered employee, because all you do is profi after profi after profi, and you feel like a machine, that's because you allowed that to happen. So, you know, protect the three letters after your name, protect the time that you spent educating yourself to get your license and pass all your boards. Look at how monumentous that all is. And, and make sure you're giving it the, what it, it's just deserves. It, it needs to be put on a pedestal. And if you get to that point where you're feeling discouraged and tired, then it's time to sit down and evaluate why. Why are you feeling this way? And I think I, I said this in one of the past episodes that when I look back at my first five years of practice, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> You know, you, you and I both apologize to all of those patients yeah. we saw. We are so yeah. sorry. We were doing the best we could with what we had. Well, you will grow so much. It's just a license to learn now. And that first couple of years, your skills just go up and up and up. And so, you know, don't be discouraged by that. Be excited by it because it's super yeah. exciting um, of those changes that you're going to make. Uh, Jackie, who was on last week's episode with Mobile Dentistry, she said, self-reflection will help you grow and never stop learning. Yes. And don't, I mean, I'm a serial recovering perfectionist as well. <laughs> don't beat yourself up for the mistakes you made. It, it's, it's all learning. You know, you don't have to be perfect. I, I see students have that mindset too. Like if they don't get a hundred, they're discouraged. Guess what? There's pr practicing clinicians that if I asked them to sit down and do this, they wouldn't have a hundred. Maybe I wouldn't even have a hundred right now. You know, like don't ex don't put that unrealistic layer of expectation on yourself. I was talking with a student today actually, and um, he has lost his confidence a little bit. He failed something a little while ago, and now it's really rocked him. And I was chatting to him, and I said, "You know that failure was the best thing that could happen to you." Yeah, And he's like, why? I said, because it's from the failures that we learn. And if you don't have a tough time now and you sail through and you get all the easy patients and you never get tested, you're going to sink when you graduate. Yep. I said, you want to have the stuff that's hard thrown at you now because it will make you swim at graduation. I said, this is the time to get tested when we can catch you. Mm -hmm. We can help you and we can support you. You don't want happen out in the real world for the very first time no you got thrown a curveball we caught you it's okay yeah yeah I tell my students too this okay. is not a knowing it's not yeah. a knowing institution it's a learning institution yeah. we don't expect you to come here and know all this it's our job to teach you and hone your skill set like what you learn didactically it's my job to make sure you're applying it clinically safely so you're not going to get it right on the first shot. Don't put that expect expectation on yourself. It's ridiculous. Um, Faye Donald, who's from the UK, who hey, um, that Melissa and I both know, she had some really good advice. So she said, you're not treating teeth and gums. You're treating people with teeth and gums. Learn to treat the person, not just the mouth, and you'll go a long way. Love that. And that I love that. That's yeah. amazing. And that's going to open your mind to, if you haven't had a taste of it in academia already, but that mindset will open your mind up to <clears throat> oral systemic health, 
Yeah. And, and the links between all of the science that is changing. There was an article I read this morning that they, um, I think it was in the Journal of Clinical Periodontology, that they did a uh, in vivo study on rats with uh, PG and FN and said that it w- it showed that it was a um, a link to depression. Yeah. That those two oral microbes can link to depression. So, I mean, the science, it, the evidence just keeps on growing. Uh, go to YouTube. I know we've mentioned before, Lysandra Mazina and uh, PDHA made that video about we're the best kept secret in dentistry or healthcare rather. Go watch that video. It, days that you might feel like you need a little bit more motivation, go watch that because that is what we do. I mean, screen for oral cancer. That's the stuff that changes and saves people's lives. You know, you could pick calculus off till the cows come home, but if you catch a lesion in someone's mouth, if you catch hypertension and they are not aware of it, you can prevent them from heart attack or stroke. Like it's so much bigger. So Carlene Franklin from Queensland in Australia, she, her comment really links into what Faye said. She said, you're not here to just clean teeth. You're here for so much more than that. Make sure you discover what your more is. Oh, that's and great. That's advice. really good because yours might be sleep medicine. Yours might <laughs> be um, perio. Yours might be caries. Your thing that excites you will be different for everyone because not everyone wants to be perio slayers like Melissa and I. Like we <laughs> love perio. <laughs> like, but that yeah. doesn't rock everyone's boat. Being right. with kids might, pediatric dentistry might be the thing that really rocks you or working in orthodontics or working in um, with an oral surgeon. It'll be different for everyone. Like, you know, I love kids, but if I had to see them five days a week, I don't think I'd love them so much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. 100% yeah. with you. And set yeah. goals for yourself too because, like, you, especially with perio, it's scary in the beginning. Yeah. And the only reason why I love it, and Tabitha, I, I'm sure you'll agree, is because I stunk at it for so long, <laughs> and I had to figure out how to be better. And then it got to that tipping point where I'm like, oh, I'm doing this pretty good now. I'm 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 getting there. And yeah. now, like, and I kept setting goals for myself. And when I achieved it, then I took it to the next level and the next level. So my goal for this year. Because now my my new practice that I'm with, we just got two Airflow Masters in. Shout out to Dr. Marino and Dr. Fenley for investing in the practice and in seeing the need for their hygienists to be able to do the the next level. Um, But my goal for this year, by the end of this year, I want to be able to do quadrants and non-surgical without needing anesthesia with this technology. It's the best. I haven't given a lo- I give I've given one local in twelve months. <laughs> like that's freaking amazing. <laughs> so that is my goal for this year is to be able to by the end of twenty twenty one do my quad scales without any anesthesia. Could you imagine the marketing piece for your practice to be able to to market that? Well, Hello? patients actually when I worked in general would ring our practice and say, "I've heard about that girl that doesn't give local anesthetic." And with so, the right technology and the right skill set, yeah. yeah, it could be done. Yeah, really I know it can. sounds ridiculous, but it can be done. No, it can. So Sheeta uh, Dole, who's an amazing hygienist from Australia, she said, you will make mistakes and you will learn from them. Know when to ask for help. Yeah. I think that's, that's my advice. advice. Like, and we've talked a lot about this in this episode, but asking for help is okay and knowing when to ask is really important. That's a really important. It goes back to what Jackie said with self-reflection, which is a difficult um, thing to learn. Uh, did I read out Jackie's? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah did. Um, so that, that it's a hard thing to learn, but it's a really important skill set to actually look back and say, I didn't do that well. What will I do to change that? So maybe that's asking for help or getting more information. And there was another um, another one from Queensland, April, who said, don't throw away your study books or notes just because you've graduated. Learning and referencing continues. And I think it ties into that as well. I actually have, I gave a couple of my friends books to some friends who were studying to help them, but I've kept a bulk of them. And a friend was over on the weekend. She said, oh, you kept all your textbooks? And I said, yeah, because I pull them out sometimes yeah. and have a look at something and go, oh, what was that? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have a look at that. Yeah. 
I got some new ones when I went back to school. I, I actually, you know, when I got hired as a clinical adjunct professor, I went to the library right after my interview yeah. and I took out the instrumentation manual from, from our bookstore. And I was like, I was reading it on the beach, actually, the summer before school started. And a woman stopped me. She was walking by on the beach and she saw I was reading. She goes, oh, are you a dental hygiene student? I'm a, I'm a dental hygienist. And I was like, oh, I'm actually a hygienist too, but I'm starting as a clinical adjunct professor in the fall. So I wanted to just brush up on the technical terminology and all that stuff before I was working with my students. So yeah, it's, it's, having that reference is, is tremendous. So yeah, don't, as much as you would like to have a bonfire and a party to burn your books when you're done with school, don't do it. (laughs) No, don't. And uh, Sarah Katz, another great hygienist from Queensland. That's this, this is the state that's contributed so much. She said, take your time, build on your skills and knowledge that you already have. Identify areas that you want to need to learn more about. Talk to your peers and colleagues and ask lots of questions. Join as many groups as you can. They will provide so much support. Know your worth and decide what your standards are and don't lower them. Don't let a bad day define tomorrow. Learn from it and move on. And that's a really, don't let a bad day define it. Just you've got to move on. And she said, you've got this. So, and that's something that Faye had said. She'd put two parts and her second part really linked to this as well. Set your own standards set them high and refuse to lower them. The standards you set determine the career that you'll have. Yes. So true. So true. And I was, um, before we started recording, I was chatting with Tabitha that the first practice I worked with as a dental assistant while I was in hygiene school um, was uh, Dr. Fight and Dr. Weinman. And Dr. Fight, God rest his soul, he passed on, uh, oh my gosh, like a, a long time ago. We lost him way too soon. But he was just such a um, <clears throat> high level practitioner. And he, you know, he just kind of set the standard for me that that the standard of care is here. Yeah. You know, it's at the standard. That's the bare minimum. Go above okay. and beyond that. Blow the doors off that. That's how he worked. And as I was there, you know, so young and so impressionable, that's he, he just laid that foundation for me. So I have always been that the standard is not enough. Let's do, let's go above and beyond that. Let's do more. And patients, patients, they, they love that. They feel, I always want them to feel well taken care of in my chair. And I know Tabitha, you're the same way. So it's, that's what will set you apart as well. And you'll have a great healthy career. As Faye said, set the standard high and you'll blow the doors off of it. And so uh, Joanne Stanbury is an amazing dental therapist from Australia and she actually doesn't practice as a dental therapist anymore because she's a boss lady. She's a CEO and owner of a dental distribution education company. And so, so she sells equipment and education materials and she set up this company from scratch and she's wow. done it all. She's used that dental background to make those connections and to build that company. So she said, the world is your oyster. Know that your qualifications can provide you many different career pathways. Absolutely. So if you get out there and clinical isn't your jam, like it's not your thing, that's okay. You have a really good knowledge base to be able to do other things. And so maybe you don't stay with clinical like Melissa and I have who love it, but we've also branched off and done other things with it. So we do education, like clinical education at university, private education, because both of us don't want to be working clinically five days because we enjoy the variety. But maybe, you know, but I still love seeing my patients and I don't want to stop. But maybe that's not you and that's okay. Don't get caught up with not loving it. There's other things that you can do. There's different roles that you can take within the industry where you can be involved in education or other aspects or sales or starting your own company. Think about what you like and and run with it. Absolutely. The sky is literally the limit. We have limitless potential. It's just how much do you believe in yourself and how much are you willing to dig in and do the work? Because the plan is easy, but executing the work, that's the tough part. But don't let don't let it overwhelm you. And if you're passionate about something, believe in yourself and, and move forward. And so, so, so I say Kelsey Ingram said something as well. She said um, she's currently completing her PhD in health policy, advocating for the implementation of oral health research into chronic disease policy. She never thought it at the beginning of her degree that she would be there. The sky is the limit. 
So, uh, girl, you are my idol. That is you amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and amazing. So I think that's a really, you know, you might graduate and think you're never going to go back, but then you're Kelsey and you're doing your PhD. So exactly. don't, like, say no to opportunities. Amazing things will come your way. Like, how cool is that? I can't that wait is, to read the research. That is very cool. So we're going to wrap up here. We've given you a lot of good tips and advice to, you know, get that foundation built for your career. Please know that Tabitha and I are also here for you. If you have any questions, find us on social media, send us a message. We will more than happy to, you know, give you some advice and help you along the way. Uh, share this episode with your friends. Please subscribe. We hit 5,000 downloads, guys. Can you believe it? We've been at this for what? Just about six months. That's yeah. so cool. You know, and we're still, we're still amateurs at this. We couldn't, neither one of us could get our microphones to work today. So <laughs> sorry for the audio quality. Um, but you know, we love sharing. You, you guys know our passion and our heart and that's why we continue to do this even with crappy audio. <laughs> so, no. Thank you everyone for listening in and to new grads, as said before by one of the other listeners, you've got this. You've got this and welcome. We are so happy to have you here. You are going to take us to the next level. Yeah. You are, as corny as it sounds, you are the future. So we're excited to see what you can do and what you bring. And, um, you know, love what you do and you really won't work. And keep disrupting. Yeah. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.